0: Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Let's Shape the Future. I'm your host Ben Dickinson and this is a show where I chat with business leaders, inspiring individuals and more about who and what is shaping the world we live in. If you enjoy the content, please subscribe, share with any friends, family, colleagues or anyone else you think would enjoy. And also please leave a review if you've got time as it massively helps the show. Hope you enjoy. What is the role of a Group Chief Design Officer within a company centered around aerospace, defense, transport, and more? I'm thrilled to have another CDO on Let's Shape the Future who can tell you the exact answer to that question, as well as providing a whole host of insights into the industry itself. Didier Boulay is the Group Chief Design Officer at TALES. Thank you so much for joining me on the show. My pleasure. So when doing some research, I saw that you've been with Thales for over 20 years, which is obviously an amazing achievement. Where did you start within the organization and how have your positions then evolved over time?
1: Okay. So um, I I started my career in IT. So I I was doing development and architecture. And when I joined Thales in 2000, um, I took my first management role. And it was a very, um, I was a young manager uh, learning pretty much everything on the job. Um, And I helped uh, the unit, uh, which was in in Belgium, to develop a small department on these new IT solutions that I I was uh, working on. And for three to four years, I worked only on the scope of Thales Belgium um, and developing the department to to become something like 60, 70 people specializing in, all the web architecture, digital technologies uh, that were not called digital at the time, um, in, in there. Um, and then from there, uh, because I was quite technical and at the same time as a young, successful manager, uh, that's a combination that is not so um, not so common. And so I got more and more uh, called in Paris um, to participate to network of architects or define the strategy of the unit I was in um, for, uh, for that matter. And um, little by little, uh, the French started to consume me more and more. And so in 2006, I made a big jump and moved to innovation Uh, Following my mentor, um, he was creating the largest software research lab um, we we had on these technologies. And he did that in Palaiso, its suburb of Paris, uh, close to École Polytechnique, a very famous uh, school in in, in Paris. And that was my entry in the innovation world of Thales. And Thales is a big company. And so it, it has a full fledged, you know, internal research and innovation ecosystem. And the headquarter is, is, is there. And so I discovered uh, something I didn't know uh, anything about, which, which was how you get research funding and how you organize research, fundamental research, physics, uh, all of these things. And I was there doing my stuff, which was this new software architecture, so software um, uh, stuff. So we built a lab. Uh, the goal was me to take over the lab after two three years. Um, and when it was time for me to take over the lab, uh, I got kind of poached by uh, the new CTO of the company. He uh, was reorganizing all the technological domain mm-hmm. and they wanted to make a big push on software. Um, and so I did basically the same role, um, but transversally in Thales. Um, which gave me access to all the fantastic domains and applications and products uh, that that we have in the uh, in, in the company. And so, um, working transversally has been, you know, happened between two thousand eight and two thousand eleven or something, a little bit more than three years. Um, at the beginning, it was a lot of technology transfer, so very tech uh, oriented. Mm-hmm. Um, but more and more, it would become you know, more strategy um, and trying to coordinate uh, the strategy of all these different business units and, and, and so forth and let sh- less uh, hands-on on, on, on stuff. Um, now, to explain the move that came after that in 2012, um, I need to step back again and go back to 2006 when I moved to innovation. Um, I didn't know so much the world of innovation. I I liked the idea, the romantic idea of being an innovator and and so forth. Um, But um, I didn't have notion of innovation management or all the methodologies and frameworks. So I started to educate myself. And um, I think the first two books I read was um, uh, the the Kelly Brothers book, The Ten Faces of Innovation. um, And also... uh, Um, Change by Design by Tim Brown. Uh, So two books from IDEO IDEO founders, and I discovered design thinking, and I fell in love with design thinking um, from from there. Um, And so all my years doing tech, uh, I was actually developing a new passion for design and a new passion for design-driven innovation or design thinking. And so around 2012, uh, there was a ten- tension where I was and I, it was time for me to, to move. And um, my next move has been to create a, what we have called a design center. So a place dedicated to design driven innovation, design thinking. And it was the first of a kind um, in, in the company. And for until now, it, this is still um, um, uh, in place. Uh, except that we have moved from one design center to 13 uh, uh, design centers in Thales. It is now a global um, global infrastructure, innovation infrastructure using design thinking. um, And we call it the design center network. Um, And it is seen as a very, very nice uh, uh, achievement. Um, And then three years ago, just to finish and then lead to, you know, your introduction of Chief Design Officer. uh, Three years ago, um, uh, Thales significantly um, uh, invested in its own digital transformation. Mm -hmm. And within the digital transformation, they identified that user experience and design um, was a very, very important topic. And they were looking for someone to lead uh, uh, this design transformation. And I was appointed um, to that role. And during this process over the last three years, I've built up some foundation, assembled a team and so forth. And, and finally, they gave me uh, a little bit more than a year ago uh, the right to wear this fancy title of chief design officer. Um, it is a tiny chief design officer because uh, I'm not sitting on the board of Thales. Uh, you might say yet, but I, it's very, very difficult to be on the board of Thales. Um, nevertheless, I think it's symbolic um, and, and shows, I think, the, the importance um, that Uh, user experience design is taking into into the 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 company so i'm very pleased uh, Mm -hmm. to uh, to, to do that
0: no it's amazing because it must be so rewarding seeing how talas has developed over time given your inputs especially into loads of different parts of the business but also it's funny so in the previous episode of let's shape the future i had the chief design officer at electrolux and we're having a similar conversation but she was saying how obviously 10, 20 years ago, there was no chief design officer. There was your CEO, your CFO, maybe your CIO, and and that's about it. And and now you've got people like a a CHRO, a CDO, and CDO can mean so many things, but the important like companies have recognized the importance of design because the role of a chief design officer has sort of um become something. Um so no, it's 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 great to see. And so obviously we're talking about Talas. Some people may not know much about them, who they are, what they do. So are you able to provide a little bit of background as to who Talis are, what you do as a business, and also then what your role entails on a day-to-day basis?
1: Yes. Um, Talis is a very large um, multinational headquartered, uh, headquartered in, in, in Paris. So people say it's a French group, but it's not a French group. It's a global company. Um and uh, we're we working in uh, defense and security. Uh, that's 50% of, of, of the business. Uh, we work in the identity and security space. Um, so um, we secure most of the banking transaction uh, secured by our uh, appliances, uh, for example. Uh, so uh, we work in space, um, we, we are, Stakeholder in Thales Alenia Space, uh, one of the leading European, you know, um, uh, satellite manufacturer. Um, also, um, air transportation, uh, flight management systems, air traffic mm-hmm. control, all of these systems. And um, actually, we like to see ourselves as a provider of the world infrastructure. You you don't see us. It's not like you're going to see an ad of Thales on TV, but most of the worlds you know depend on some of the infrastructure that we we deliver for trans, you know um, transportation um, uh, security um, and, and defense and and, and so on um, our purpose as a company is that, you know to build a, a world we can trust so it's a lot about the trust and, and dependability we, we have on these uh, on, on, on this system. Um, it's a very diverse company. Um, you know, you said, I've been 20 years. I'm still amazed by the diversity of technologies and products that we, that, that we have. Um, so you never get bored uh, because there are 35 business lines uh, and, and, and hundreds of products and and products range from border management system to sonar to satellite to control room to driver systems to all of these uh, um, uh, system. Mm. So it's a lot of high tech. It has a very strong engineering um, uh, culture, and we, which makes um, introducing design and and, and you know these these um, all these innovation approach. Um, somehow more challenging, but also very, very interesting because it, it, this is not a domain where it has been done 20 times before you. Uh, you're building a, a lot of first-of-a-kind uh, to, to, to say.
0: And my job as a
1: CDO, um, I, and I, you, you, you said it just before, I think the the um, this role of chief design officer is one way for companies to basically... Um, trade or show the importance that design is taken into in, into the company. And so, um, in in the past, I think the head of design or you know would would be a designer that is signing. I, I am thinking automotive, for example. That would be, you know, the number one, the alpha designer that would sign the final design of everything. Mm. I think a chief design officer is not doing that. I. I, I I do more organization development. I do more governance. I, I need to make sure I create a space for design in the company where it can thrive, you know, and and develop and scale. So I think words like design ops, design systems are really the big uh, topics on which I'm working. Um, and trying to elevate and demonstrate the value of design every day to the business. I think that's what a chief design officer main role is um, in, in, in a lot of companies I know.
0: Mm, no, absolutely and vanilla um, um, from Electrolux said the, a similar thing and and you know what, it's funny how obviously I work in enterprise software and it's funny how you say about how, you probably won't see an advertisement for a lot of enterprise software companies because a lot of people don't know they're there and it's how a business operates and not many people know they'll they that have heard of a Google or Microsoft, et cetera, but there's so many other enterprise software providers that run the businesses they use every day, but they see the shop front. They don't see what goes on behind their systems in HR procurement, et cetera. And, and tell is a, is a similar scenario. You don't, see a lot of what you do but as I said when I was doing some research on the company you're like wow the the size and scale of this organization is just absolutely huge um but so before we go into a bit of a bit more detail of innovation um didier for, for season three of let's shape the future we we also want to know not just what shapes the future but what has shaped the guest so for this part i'm just going to ask you three easy quick questions which will help the audience to get to know you a little bit better so um does that sound okay Yes, sure. Shoot. I need like a, uh, this is like a game show. So I need like a, a load of sounds or something I can play for this bit. But um, <laughs> so question one, what was your dream job as a child? Uh,
1: um, I, I think I wanted to be a veterinary, you know, oh, nice. uh, and I never did it. So <laughs> that sort of adds an extra question. Then are you a dog person or are you a cat person? I'm a cat person. I, I'm, I'm not for the easy friendship. I go for the hard friendship. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Have you got many cats then?
0: I have one cat. Oh, very nice. And so what is one thing that hasn't been invented yet, but you really want to see happen in your lifetime?
1: uh. Maybe teleportation would be nice. You know, <laughs> I'm commuting a lot, so I would love to see teleportation. <laughs> yeah, I, think I I echo that one.
0: And and then finally, what advice would you give to your 20 year old self? Uh,
1: um, yeah, that anything is basically possible. That you you are not stuck to one job. I changed so many times jobs and did jobs I was not meant to do that, you know, I would, you know, tell my 20 years uh, old version that, you know, don't be afraid, go for it, you know, because uh, it's possible. Mm. No, great. And no, thanks for that. And so obviously now we're,
0: you spoke about how you've been with Thales for for over over 20 years. And um, how have you seen the business evolve over that time that you've been there? Have you tried to make it a change leader or have you tried to sort of take innovations and iterate them and, and put a Thales spin on them?
1: Yes. So when I joined Thales, it was um, not called Talis; It was called Thomson uh, CSF and it was, it operated much more like a collection of companies Um, not really integrated. And the CEO at the time had this big rebranding of the company into Thales because he had this vision of an integrated company with all these different domains and trying to make sense of all of that. That has had a tremendous impact on on the company. And you can see 20 years, and it's probably not even complete, uh, just to transform this into a company. And today it's one team, one Thales, one company that is there a shared process across all these um, uh, domains, And um, and you could witness that on a lot of, you know, functions and domains and innovation is one of them. And so innovation now is something happening all over the uh, the, the company. And um, if, if, if I do just, um, you know, uh, a special focus on, on the innovation part, um, the big change is, um, first 10 years, it's all about tech, you know, everything I've seen innovation was all about, you know, technology, technology uh, in there. And then um, the last 10 years, we've seen the emergence of all these multidisciplinary approach, design approach, um, and, and, you know, other innovation approaches than just tech. So they would approach innovation in a much more open uh, open way business model innovation started to be there. Design uh, innovation was 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 there. We we played a role in there with the design center. We're not alone. There are other forces in the company that contributed mm-hmm. to that. But that also has changed dramatically um, the way Thales is innovating today. You know, uh, uh, playing more with the customer and the user and, and having user centered innovation more than just pushing tech to the market. Um, business model is a, is a strong force and. Um, one very important man joined the company a few years ago, Pierre Schaeffer, on marketing and he revo- revolutionized uh, marketing uh, um, in, the, uh, in, in, in the company. And all these things add up and change the fact that um, we are not only looking to a company, you know, just pushing tech, uh, I think it's much more, um, much richer today compared to uh, uh, 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's why you know innovation. We we are in the top 100 innovator in the world um, in in one of the rankings. There are multiple rankings, but we are very proud to be there. And and in France, I don't know the the, the ranking for the countries, but top three uh, top three destination for young engineers. Uh, you know, sharing the top spots with uh, the Google and and Amazon and Airbus uh, uh, companies. So. Definitely, I think uh, young engineers, um, innovators—they uh, uh, see the products we do, the systems we do—and they want, uh, they, they want to join. This attractivity was not there. Uh, I think uh, it was looking like old-fashioned industry, and today that's—you know—it's a cool company to go and work with. Yeah, I think especially people especially at the moment
0: they love space they love like with like elon musk and stuff like that people are really really interested in that sort of stuff so i think being in that industry as you say it probably might have seemed a bit old-fashioned but if anything it's like one of the most innovative things because you've got um richard Branson going up in his plane you got jeff bezos going up there and these are this is what people are interested in and i think as you say if Thales hadn't evolved their approach to innovation over time, then you wouldn't be in this position that you're in now. But because you've done so, you're, as you say, you're at the forefront of innovation and the forefront of attractivity, which is obviously the perfect combination for, for, for long-term future.
1: And Uh, a a lot of these companies you mentioned are customers of Thales. So they can do what they do because we secured what they do, or we enable what they do. (laughs) There you go then. (laughs) Um, And obviously, Within that 20
0: years has been the last 18 months, and they've been a crazy time for everyone. And, and obviously, it wouldn't have been something you've experienced during your time at Talas until now. Um, so how has the pandemic affected Talas as a business? Obviously, I know aerospace and defense and, and air travel and industries like that have been massively impacted because of the lack of travel. So how, um, how has Talas been, been affected overall?
1: So, definitely, everything related to air transportation has been heavily hit. So, And uh, we have a lot of activities around airplanes, airports, uh, from security to air traffic to in-flight entertainment that you use in planes. Um, most probably, you know, you have one, it's Panasonic on a, or, or us. So, it's one, one, of, one of two. Um, so, all that part of the business has been strongly uh, impacted the rest of the business has been surprisingly resilient. And so now we're seeing the recovery and for example, the result uh, uh, of the first semester of 2021 has been very good. So I think it was a relief uh, for certainly our XCOM and, and, uh, and also for the market uh, to see that uh, basically it's very resilient, resilient business uh, business model. Now, of course, for air transportation, we'll need a few years to recover and go back to the level we were um, before the COVID. Um, but yes, um, today we we are quite relieved um, uh, about about what we're seeing in terms of uh, of recovery. Now, how has it impacted less in terms of the way of working? I think it has had a massive impact on the way uh, on the way of working. I think. Um, we, we had very uneven situation. We had some part of the company that would be fully fluent with digital tools, digital way of working, but other parts that would be more traditional and, and not so uh, at ease with, with the, this new stuff. The, the common model would be you have to go to office and everybody is at the same location. And then we would travel a lot around the world to go and meet physically. Now, I don't need to explain that COVID you know, really changed that. And it was a massive upgrade of the company to be able to operate uh, seamlessly across uh, the Miro and Teams and, and all the Visio uh, infrastructure we have uh, um, in in the company. And yes, um, this is an upgrade now. Everyone uh, is uh, fully fluent and capable on these tools, mm. um, meaning we travel much, much less uh, than before uh, the pandemic. So have you found
0: that, the pandemic has halted design at all? Because obviously I know a lot of people love, especially around design thinking, they love getting together and doing a workshop in person. Have you found that it, it may not have halted, but have you found it's, it's it's sort of been altered a bit and design is done a bit differently now?
1: Yes. So I have two answers. First of all, we've been surprised to see how much we could do with, um, um, you know, we we, we use Miro uh, a lot, yep. we use Sink uh, a lot. Um, we conducted some very big design thinking project uh, during the pandemic, uh, only using remote tools, digital tools. And in uh, past, I've been quite against these tools. And I have always been an advocate of in-person and you building empathy with people and users. You need to be there, you need to establish you know, a connection. And so I, I was naturally against uh, this tool. Uh, but then we were forced to use them, and we were really surprised by how much we could achieve with them. Uh, now, having said that, um, so we know we can do a lot uh, with these tools. Uh, nothing will replace in person. So I think everything I said about empathy and connection is 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 there, and nothing replaces the fact that you you go and see you know um if if we speak defense, you go to an air base and you meet these uh, young soldiers and users and 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 you really get it and you understand the full context and you absorb more than you know what you write that experience you you cannot have that you know with 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 a um a, a Visio or a zoom uh, a, a zoom call so nothing will replace that so I think temporarily it was okay to uh, perform some of the research activities and so forth using these these digital tools. Long term, we need to find a balance um, and, and keep maintaining going on site and, and doing the field trips and stuff like that.
0: No, absolutely. And I think, as you say, especially for stuff like design thinking, um, it's so important to understand the user, understand the stakeholder. And as you say, build that empathy and build that connection with them. And that, that's tough to do. Um, Virtually. So as you say, I, I can see a, a hybrid model definitely being the way forward and um, linked to that question. So obviously you've mentioned that Tala's work in a number of different markets. So aerospace, transport, defense, et cetera. Do you use the same sort of design foundations for each market or are there different approaches for different industries? So
1: Regarding design thinking, one thing we have proven the last 10 years is it's universality, meaning that we have applied design thinking, pretty much the same framework, uh, throughout industries, um, even um, internally uh, for HR transformation or employee experience, and you would basically approach the problem the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, we we made um, a few uh, alteration to you know the uh, Stanford or ideal version by. Um, insisting more at the end on the impact and business model element or how do you transform this cool innovation idea into funding or something like that so um, uh, that's stuff you have to do in big um, in, in big companies but apart from that we we just um, proved or um, just realized that how first design thinking design thinking is now um, if I don't look only at design thinking as, you know, CDO, you should look at design. We, we, we have this notion of design continuum, saying that design with manifest itself in the company, depending in which stage of the, or the, the life cycle of the product, whether you are in research innovation or engineering phase, service phase, um, you have very different type of design at play so during innovation it's really about design thinking design research um, and then moving to engineering you get more the ux frameworks for digital industrial design maybe service design if you want to look the end-to-end journeys and and the cocktail of things that you use uh, change depending on the business if it is a you know service business or a very industrial business uh, you have more of one or the other. There are some of our business which is purely digital. So in there we only speak about UX, UI, and, and all the, the fancy, you know, digital title. Um, and in other part, maybe digital is not so big. And it's all about the industrial design that that we we focus. And that's where it differentiates from business to business depending what they're doing and where you know their stakes or the new products are.
0: Mm. No, it's it's interesting you say about how there's some parts that are universal, like the design thinking techniques, but then when you drill down into certain things, there are elements that obviously do need to be tailored as, as where you're working across so many industries, there are going to be differences. And it's it's not a one size fits all model with a, with a lot of things, but um, obviously we've, we've mentioned design thinking quite a lot and, why is it so? Like, what do you love so much about it? Why? Why is it so important to how design is done at Tellers And and what to you is
1: the importance of using techniques such as that within a business? Yes, um, I think the first thing I loved about design thinking was its uh, multidisciplinarity. Is that by the time I encountered uh, design thinking, I had already done two or three different jobs, and. Uh, And I I found in one framework a way to reconcile all the body of knowledge I had. And I said, wow, it's cool. So so basically everything I know professionally or even, you know, your leisure, you're good at photography, it can be useful if you go on field trip and taking pictures. Mm. And, And I found this, wow, this is cool. Everything could make sense into design thinking. So multidisciplinarity, the fact that within one framework, you pay as much attention to the user, the design, the desirability, you know, the viability, the business side and the feasibility with technical side. Again, I, I love that. And I said, yeah, it makes a lot of sense rather than, you know, one, you know, the tech people are doing their stuff, then they send it to someone else. And I don't think it makes sense for in today's complexity. It you it should be in the same space time that you look at all of these things and you iterate on them. So that multidisciplinarity element really, uh, so at process level, but also individual level, everybody can bring a lot of different experience. I love that. Um, Second thing is uh, the uh, empathy element and user-centered element um, so that you reverse, you know, um, uh, the curse of I build some tech and then I push it to a market and I try to sell it to users. No, I do. You need to do the contrary. Understand what would make sense for users and then you develop the technology or the, the products that, that will fit that. And um, every time you, you do user research, every time you meet reality, you realize how wrong or biased you were. Uh, and so I think it's a, every time it's a wake-up call for designers or non-designers on... You know, you need to follow this process to be truly in the shoes of your um, users, customers. So the empathy, user-centeredness, certainly um, um, number two. And number three was uh, design. At the same moment uh, I started to read this um, book, I became an unconditional fanboy of Apple. In the very early years, so now it's not very original to say you're a fanboy of Apple. Maybe it's even cliché or old-fashioned, you know. Uh, but at the time, it was uh, the first version of the new MacBook Pro. Mm. Uh, I remember my colleague in Switzerland. He took out his MacBook Pro, the new one in aluminium, and I, I said, "What? What is that?" He said, "Oh, it's a, it's a new MacBook." I said, "Wow!" And you know, iPod was already so successful, and then I discovered. Mac, you could say, oh, in 2005, very, very good, DJ. Uh, You could have seen it before. (laughs) I bought one the next day, and then I bought a lot of Apple stock after that. That was a clever move uh, by the time. That's a very good move. Uh, But um, I started to pay attention why uh, Apple was so successful. I think now everybody knows why. Everybody has learned Samsung, Microsoft, all the others. They've they've, Google raised their design game so much that they are as good and sometimes better than Apple. But at the time, it was, yeah, people would say, yeah, it's design. And then I started to pay a lot of attention to the design of Apple and the industrial design and then later experience design they, they were bringing all across the space. And so really, it was more than design thinking. It was this element of design. And then the fact that in design thinking, you, you can do design thinking without with designers, but you'd be crazy to do that. In the team, the multidisciplinary team, you shouldn't have some designers. And so that mix of design people, business people, that, that's what creates you know, the, the, the sparks in, in the design thinking process.
0: I, I think Apple's a great example because, as you say there, sometimes Apple aren't, like what they bring out has been done already by samsung by google or someone else but it's how they present it it's how they have the apple events and the the marketing side and 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 also people love like i much prefer ios to android because of the design like that is and the user experience and the usability and i think a lot of people are in the same boat and and that's where design is such an important part of these organizations because there's so many competitors that do a similar thing. It's these sorts of things that are going to switch a user's sort
1: of point of view and are going to make them choose your company over a competitor. No, you're right. And the, the, you know that demonstration I tried to do internally at Thales because I think one of the you know, uh, historical tactic business tactic for Thales would be to outperform the competition technologically. Mm. So we win the competition because we have the best sensors. We have the most performing sensors, the, the, the most high-tech components in, in the system. And um, uh, if you look at Apple, and, you, and, and especially the last 10 years, they were reaping 90% of all the smartphone industry in profit by putting less advanced components than the others. So it means that in the value proposition they're pushing, there is something else. There's something else we know. It's the experience. It's the design. And so you are ready to pay more money for something that has a better experience, a better design, even though you know that the technology inside is less advanced than the Samsung. And for, in, for some engineers, it doesn't make sense because they say, no, I want the better sensors. You know, I want a better camera. I want a better, but they perform less and, you know, there are other explanations I just design. It's the vertical integration of Apple that allows them to optimize where others can't optimize. Nevertheless, at the end, you pay for that experience and that design, and then you pay more money for something that costs less and you generate more profit. I think that's something every company would like to do, you know, putting less in the product, charging more and making more profit than trying to over, you know, uh, overpower and and uh, you know outperform and everybody yes, technically, uh, in, in the world, which is harder and harder to do, by the way.
0: Especially when you put it like that, it's such an amazing concept as you say that they can put less into a product charge more for it and that means they'll get more sales um it's just ridiculous but it works and obviously apple are extremely successful and and it all comes back to the design of their experiences and um what i wanted to move on slightly now to is sustainability and obviously sustainability is a huge part of every business nowadays but especially ones in your industry so transport aerospace etc What is Thales doing to address sustainability? And is sustainability now a core factor when designing new components, new parts, new anything within Thales? Does it form a core part of that process?
1: Yes. So one key message is definitely today, um, uh, sustainability, eco-design, and and, um, everything around that is um, carbon strategy is everywhere in the company. So we have group-wide initiatives that will work with every business to find products where we have a specific action plan to reduce the carbon footprint. Um, One one such uh, domain is certainly uh, air transportation. uh, uh, And we have a lot of work. Uh, Not only, usually, especially for air transportation, it will be industry-level effort with Eurocontrol and... and, uh, uh, the, the air traffic authorities, uh, how we reduce fuel consumption from plane. Um, a lot of the systems, the new flight management systems that we deliver will optimize, you know, the route of the planes, allow multiple planes to fly closer to one another. All of these factors add up and reduce the carbon footprint of air transportation. So um, definitely on industries like that, um, what we do and what our systems do as a, a very, very important uh, impact on the future performance carbon-wise uh, um, of, of these, uh, these systems. But beyond that, I think there are um, uh, more industries uh, waking up um, to this. Um, uh, defense is, is certainly one of them. Uh, it's more recent, but I think more and more countries are um, conscious that they cannot do whatever you know, mm-hmm. you cannot leave equipment, you cannot leave, um, you know, um, uh, waste, you know, uh, all over the planet and, so, and, and the logistics and recycling. And, and so I, I think this consciousness is everywhere. Um, and so definitely we see, um, I, I cannot think of one market where we are now, where there is no uh, sustainability and, and carbon footprint. And if I look to the design um, in, in, in Thales, Um, We have, for example, a new discipline called eco-design that we're pushing across engineering uh, uh, to make sure all the engineers are aware and conscious of the impact uh, every design decisions, and I mean engineering uh, decisions, they make on a system, on software development, on hardware, and and so forth. And so we try to push this new eco-design concept everywhere in, in our product. And um, last but not least, all the design center uh, people and and the practitioners of design thinking and the designers are super excited by sustainability because you cannot do, I think, design degrees on the planet today without having some lectures and and content on sustainability, circular economy, and and it's the responsibility of every designer to create products that are are respectful for the planet and and so forth. Um, Until a few years ago, you would never see these uh, elements present in the brief we receive or in the objectives. This is changing so fast that um, they're pushing uh, me. uh, They said, yeah, next year for the budget and the strategy, we need to put more sustainability objectives. And so the designers internally are pushing a lot to see more of that um, into what we do. Mm, I think... It's kind of
0: like a designer's dream as well, because it's like how, obviously they've got to design this, but to then add the sort of complication of making something that's good for the environment, it's probably quite an exciting challenge to take a normal sort of innovation, but also add something like sustainability to key. Because not only are they enjoying the design process more, they also know that what they're designing is actually having a positive impact and is at the forefront of innovation. And, and obviously that's what they go to university to do is 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 that sort of thing so no i I completely agree with everything you said in terms of every business has those sustainability initiatives and it's great to hear how tellers are integrating that at the very start of the sort of design processes it's obviously so important and um just as we come to the, the conclusion of um this episode of let's shape the future um with guests i'd just like to get one piece of advice for anyone that's listening, so what would your advice be? To that could be senior execs, or early talent, or kids thinking about wanting to get into design. What would that one piece of advice be? Uh,
1: to to uh, it would be a very different advice for the kid and for the the <laughs> the, 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 the the exec. Um, I, I think for the uh, for for the exec, uh, they have the responsibility to create in their organization. Um, um, the space and resources and, and, and teams that uh, enable uh, design thinking. And design thinking is not so easy to organize because you need to allow this divergence. You need to, uh, to allow basically uh, uh, something that is not the most efficient because you, you will explore a lot of stuff you will never maybe use, but it's part of the inspiration process. And, and it's only when, you know, the management and decision makers allow that to happen then the magic happens. Uh, if if they they can very easily choke um, uh, choke choke that, um, and now for maybe the other extreme, which would be a, a kid that want to go into design, um, I think design is uh, also a profession uh, that is um, uh, in in full transformation with a, a lot of different forces. Um, the on one hand, you have the historical design approach, very centered on craft. So mm-hmm. sketching form giving and and um, there's still some jobs there uh, where mastering the craft gives you access to a design job but more and more what I see in a lot of the big conference and and, and the design leaders in the world is that they want to see the designers more um, like approaching global design and 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 approaching multidisciplinarity and, and 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 approaching decision making and, and strategy mm-hmm. and in, you know, for a lot, it means design thinking, it means, you know, you can solve any type of problem. And they see the designers instrumental uh, in, in this type of approach. So if you're very curious, and you're ready to tackle a lot of different fields and, and be innovative, um, then go for this global design or design thinking career, uh, that they, they can be very rewarding. Nice. And just to finish off, if if
0: anyone wants to find out some more information about yourself or about TALES as an organization, where's
1: the best place for them to do so? Well, for me, people interested they can always reach uh, reach to LinkedIn, um, and I try to respond uh, uh, <laughs> with my bandwidth uh, to 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 request uh, to to or to engage uh, uh, furthermore. Uh, for for Thales, the best way is uh, thalesgroup.com. Uh, you'll get. Uh, uh you know a view on all the different products uh, and markets we we talked about lovely and and didier
0: it's been an absolute pleasure hosting you on on let's shape the future today it's been really interesting learning about yourself and innovation and design thinking and sustainability and, and everything else in between so um yeah thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today it's been great thank you ben and that is the end of another episode of let's shape the future a big thank you to didier for joining me today and if you enjoyed the content please remember to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review and share with anyone you think would also enjoy we've got plenty more coming up for the rest of season three so keep an eye out for future episodes have a great day guys